We don't know what wilderness. Oh. You want me to jump in? I got it. I got you. You got it. <laughs> I haven't even started the second beer. <laughs> it's still sitting here. <laughs> Welcome to episode 160 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint of fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. Catch new episodes weekly as the Reverend Shannon Meacham, Olgan Holder, and a special guest address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. Today we welcome Keisha McKenzie. Keisha leads the program team at Auburn Seminary. Keisha believes that all people have an inerrant worth and dignity, and we deserve a world where all of us can flourish, and people of faith must help to make that world a possibility real. Welcome, Keisha. Hi there. How you doing? And I know that she wrote that bio. You didn't write that bio, did you? I edited that bio. She Shannon, edited- I mean, Shannon, Shannon. Did you write that bio? I wrote that bio. She wrote that bio. Keisha That's wrote what I'm that saying. Bio. Once upon a misty time. Maybe it wasn't clear. I said, no, I'm I didn't s- write it because it's not full of jokes. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say it out loud. I didn't want to say it out loud. You can show your love for Pub Theology Live by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Get yourself some swag, which will get to Shannon's house. Still, still, still May 6th. estimated May 6th. Still estimated May 6th. It's not essential for some of us. I think and the the printing places like shut down, so that may be why. Hopefully, they're making masks. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, and you can get access to extended interviews with special guests and before and after the show banter. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, I posted the video from our entire Easter double episode uh, up on YouTube, and so you can watch it for free, so you can get a sense of. And that includes the pre-show and the post-show. So you kind of get a sense of. Uh, all the fun stuff you're missing, like when you listen to this episode, know that today's pre-show was uh, scintillating uh, tours of the art on the walls <laughs> of our respective of our homes. homes. <laughs> just because, just because, and us playing with virtual backgrounds on Zoom. I don't because. know, you, you said scintillating and expectations went from eight to maybe four. <laughs> You got to keep them low so that when <laughs> they see them, they go, oh, that was much better than I expected. Interesting. Oh, oh, oh in the head there. All right. Uh, visit <laughs> patreon.com slash Live to get started. Big thank you to our current patrons. And you can watch us and see clips and follow us and win on the conversation on the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Use the hashtag PTLive. Um, a special offer to those of you listening. Um, my daughter and I are making masks. Um, and we're making the good kind with the wire that like, so if you wear glasses, it lessens the fog. Um, so if you're listening and you need masks, please reach out to me on the Pub Theology page or at Rev Meech, um, on any of the socials you can find me and we'll I'd, ship them to I'd, you. I'd, I'd like one because my, da- my daughter says, I'm, we are making masks here. She's in North Carolina and I'll send you a couple. I said, okay, but she's on the teenager timeline. Mm. So I may not get the mask till this is over. <laughs> gotcha. Well, also if you have a favorite color 
or um, red. preference, you know, let me know because I'm red. I couldn't, I couldn't tell by the couch. Hey man, <laughs> listen, everybody's got a color they love. Everybody's got a We have a yeah. I want we have, crazy. You got crazy patterns. Crazy. I, listen, uh, I've I've seen the flower patterns you're wearing. I'm Just all saying. in. No, it's good. Bring, bring it. Today we are discussing discussing patience, uh, the golden calf, and a quarantine. Because why all not? things that all things that go together. <laughs> all things that go together. All things yeah. come together for good. Um, so, Keisha, we'll start with you as our guest. What are you drinking today? I am between water and my usual soda substitute, which is the miscellaneous pink substance in the cup. Okay. <laughs> None of us are none of us are concerned <laughs> about the miscellaneous pink substance. Yeah. <laughs> that just led to more questions. It's which also I'm, perfectly normal. Maybe ask later. <laughs> okay. Um, I have decided that uh, I've decided after our last double episode that I'm committed to making every pub theology episode a two beer episode mm-hmm. while we're in quarantine. I think I'm making the sacrifice for delivery people. I discovered the Drizzly app today. Have you heard of the Drizzly app? Mm-mm. Free plug. Drizzly app, if it's in your state, is alcohol delivery <laughs> in as quick as an hour. Nice. Because, wow. I mean, when you're desperate. When you're desperate, <laughs> you're desperate. So today, this morning, I got on and I stocked up on some things. And two and a half hours later, wow, I, I got a full fridge. That's wild. It's crazy. So, um, it's ooh. There's all that ice. It's uh, it's beginning to spring, and spring means fruity bears. So I have from the Wachusett Brewery. We can't we can't see it because of the background. Oh, right, sure, the there you brewery. go. There, all right. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. It's a it's a, it's a blueberry ale. Crazy. <laughs> it's a blueberry ale. And and for round two, for the second one, mm. this is called a Booty Raspberry Golden Ale. Wow. Booty. That's a big one, too. Yeah. Boatloads of awesomeness. Yeah. From the hill from the Hidden Cove Brewing Company in Wells, Maine. There you go. Booty and blueberry. Oh, I didn't even plan that. Booty and blueberry. It's the little things right now. It is the little things. No <laughs> follow-up questions. Amusing, amusing yourself. <laughs> There you go. What are you drinking, Shannon? So um, it is the second week of Easter. So I am drinking my traditional Easter beer, the Brewer's Art Resurrection Ale. Um, And I only have one this week because I went in the opposite direction of the last episode, which is just to say, maybe I need to go back to one beer. (laughs) (laughs) Two weeks long. So, because I had, I had committed to the two beer while in quarantine, uh, pub theologies. But I, I think, no, I think for Derek and I, that was a three beer because we were drinking regular sized beers, and Ogan, you were drinking pint sized beers. So you know, this is true. Um, anyway, but we'll see. You know, maybe we we'll get three fourths of the way through, and I text my husband and say, "Hey, bring me another beer." <laughs> Because you know that has never that's, happened. That's where I was going to say. That's where I'm placing my odds. <laughs> and that's that's your in-house delivery service. That's exactly. right. Exactly. Exactly. So our first question, which is supposed to be our light topic, is <laughs> on a scale of one to over it. I assume the question is, where are you? <laughs> oh. I know. I found this actually really like. Ooh, I don't really have an answer. 
I, I'm over so many of the adjustments that we've had to make. So our team has been remote since March 16. I've been remote and out of my usual place since March 13. I think the last time I was on was the same week that I moved back mm-hmm. to Maryland. And yeah, I miss my apartment. Yeah. I miss quiet. I miss, uh, I miss my neighbors, which is surprising to me. It surprised me this, was it Saturday? I was thinking about all of them, like the kid who cries every morning on his way to school at 7.30 in the morning, <laughs> all the way from his front door to the elevator and then races back down the hall with thunder boots at 3.30 in the afternoon. I miss that kid. Don't like that kid, but I miss the kid. Right. Uh, <laughs> that, that was going to be my follow-up question. Thank, <laughs> thanks for getting on top of that. <laughs> I, you know, just just the, the annoyance of the person who doesn't have children, but hearing all the children. I think children. some of us are being pleasantly surprised by the things we are missing. We didn't think we would go. We were yeah, or, yeah. Or, or the the privilege of having a common space to do the laundry, but like missing the people that I would interact with at the time that I usually did my laundry. I'm wondering if they're okay. The guy two floors above me, who's a veteran, disabled, um, had a, a an apartment that was in disrepair and then flooded my apartment like two years in a row. I miss that guy. <laughs> um, so, so not on. the flood, just the guy. No, <laughs> no, and I hope he's okay. Right, he, right. He might be in the hospital because he had pre-existing pulmonary um, and breathing issues. So I don't know. So you might have buried the lead a little bit there. So I just want. I just want to clarify a couple things sure. uh, before we move on. You said you miss your apartment. Yeah. So you're staying with your Partner. inter- partner's place right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Maryland. This is my permanent address. Um, so I, I, left New- <laughs> yeah, I left New York to, um, to shelter in place with family. Sure. Is this, so I- wait, okay, hang on. I, I don't care about all that. <laughs> is this the first time that you all are living together? Okay, I just wanted to double. I see. I didn't know if it was one of these cases where, like, like you, you know, because of the the shelter in place, as no, as some I, relationships have like, well, let's shelter together, and people are fighting themselves I living together for the first time. I don't know that I could pick a, a pandemic to have that experiment. All right, thank you. That's just what I. That's why I say you Which, might have buried the lead. No, just, no, no wanna... judgment on people who've made that decision, and I hope you. Oh, I have judgment. Like, I, hope, I got judgment. I, but listen, I totally would have made that decision. Absolutely, I would have said, "Let me come live with you." Like if I were, if I were, if I lived alone, um, and See? I, mm-hmm. I had, a, I had was looking at an undetermined, or I at least would have done this. I would have said to a friend, um even if we live in our own, like we're breaking social, we're, we're going to see each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would need some sort of somebody in my life where we figured that out together. Yeah, so I think what you're talking about is kind of like this pod situation. So there's clusters of people who have picked many more than one person, but it's like five or six people. And they yes. began the quarantine period together and have kept with those people. Right. Varying levels of compliance with safety. So I worry about some of those folks. But the thing that I, I empathize with and that was part of my decision was, do I really want to be exclusively by myself for, at that time it was two weeks and then right. it became a month and now I don't know. Um, and I think I could have done it and I would have been okay, but I wanted to be here in case something happened to her. Right. Or something happened to the residents or something happened elsewhere. So 
I wanted to be in place, but I'm usually not here. I'm usually in another state and I have a different cycle of work and rhythm and I'm working from home now and it's really awkward because the space is set up for a different kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think I, what are, I would have had reservations about doing it if we didn't have all this 10 year history um, because it's a crisis. And yes, you want to know how people navigate crises, but you don't want to necessarily have to navigate crises in a crisis. Right. Like we've already yeah. done. Like that only, that only sounds good on paper. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and know? relationships are completely different when you're both in crisis at the yeah. same time yeah. it's over the same thing, right? Yeah. Like completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, she is a frontline worker. And yeah. so her, her, um, the kinds of risks that she has to take because of her work are different than mine. So I can at least be a support for her in some mm-hmm. ways. And she, she's definitely being support for me and others. So there's, there's complimentary stuff there, but there's also a, a long, long friendship and relationship to support all of, all of that. I don't, I, I'm curious about more stories from people who are doing the, this is our first apocalypse. Mm-hmm. We've known each other for three weeks. Like, I don't know how those people are doing. Right. Well, and let me be clear. When I say that I would have done that, I would have done that with a very close friend, right? Or multiple friends. Yeah. Um, Or I've thought about this a lot. Like, my sister's a single mom, and she and another single mom who have kids, their kids all play together. So Mm -hmm. they've committed, they break quarantine with each other, right? The two families, because the kids and the moms just need somebody, some support. So my sister and her friend go running together and the kids play, they're older, you know, they're, they're preteen kind of age. Mm-hmm. They play together, but they only do it with each other. They only break with each other. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I mean, I, she's like, I know I'm not supposed to. And I, know, I said, listen, you've got to do what helps mm-hmm. you survive this, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think it's okay. How, do you know how they decided to manage um, each family's going outside, like each family's doing groceries, because those are the, those are the spaces where yeah. you increase the risk you, to the pot. You, you, spray, if, you, you spray them down with Lysol in the parking lot before they come in. <laughs> well, so they're you know they're living in their independent homes, right? Yeah. But they they like I said, my sister and her friend are running together, um, maybe like twice a week or so. Um, so it's like once or twice a week. But I think they're both you know, kind of committed to the, I'm wearing my mask in the grocery store. I'm using my hands. Like, I think there was that conversation. Mm-hmm. And again, you're doing it with a trusted friend who you yes. say, you know, we, we, I trust you to, to follow these rules and to keep me safe Yes, as well as, you know, but I, but I understand, I totally understand that urge and that need um, to, I mean, Derek and I have, we've, we've talked about this many times over this. So I'm, excuse me, I, I agree. I'm not, um, there are elements of this where I'm like, I just want to hug people, you know, kind of thing. Um, excuse me. Part of what I'm over is I'm over being scared at the grocery store. Like mm. when I do have to go, like I'm terrified. I'm like scared of people, like physically, like being near people. If somebody like walks by me and isn't, you know, we're all like hugging the aisles, mm-hmm. you know, the sides. And, and I'm, I'm like, I've never in my life been so scared of people. Like that part, I'm completely over. I'm ready. And part of what I'm over is I, I can't see right now how we get past that easily. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that kind of fear. Um, 
but you know, Derek and I have had many conversations of like, you know, we, we have been in relationships that if we were in quarantine with them in marriages, like right now, we were like, oh my God, thank God we're together. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Every, um, every, everyone does yes. not make for a good quarantine buddy. No. Right. And like that person may, you may be married to that person. Like, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. You may be. Yeah, I, was, I was in a conversation just about two hours ago where someone was like, well, after the quarantine is over, the divorce line will be long and the maternity ward line will be long. Mm -hmm. yep. There's mm -hmm. a reason they say absence makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> the only thing I am absence over... or abstinence. Yes. <laughs> yes. The yes. only yes. the only thing that I am truly over is governors making bad decisions. Mm -hmm. Like the beaches in Florida are open again yep. in some mm -hmm. places today, and I'm just like, I'm I'm over this. And and they don't understand how doing that in Florida puts the people in New York at risk, right? Puts mm. us at risk. Puts it's crazy. Like that's the part that. But I don't. I don't. I'm actually. I can't say I'm enjoying any of this. Um, so I'm not like a one, but I'm not. I'm tired, and I'm over. I'm over the exhaustion of not being able to do my job the way that I need to do my job. You know. Mm. But as for like going stir crazy, I'm doing okay. Um, you know, Keisha, you know, we've had a couple of very cool, but at least sunny days, mm -hmm. you know, that have kept, we took it, Derek and I took a walk earlier today. We've been walking every day we can just to get out. Um, yes. The dog is very happy. Um, we, the kids go outside once a day. Um, the, what I'm super over is their homeschooling and I won't use curse words, but oh my <laughs> goodness. They were implied. <laughs> Curse words were implied. I, I sent an email to the principal of the school and it was reserved and it, you would not have known. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, uh, his, my son's teacher and I had a Zoom call and she was like, I just want to be in the room. And I was like, I know, like, I completely understand, but here's what you know, you need to understand is happening in our home. And she's like, I hear you. And, and she's like, you know, it just, I don't think about the fact that like you look, so, you know, my son has this 50, he's in the third grade, this 50 page packet. And it says here, do this this week. And I was like, I don't know. She's like, you should be working about an hour a day. I was like, I don't know. It takes him an hour. Right. She's like, I never really processed that until you said that, that like, it's not intuitive to just look at and say, this is a natural stopping point or this is a whatever. She says, as a teacher, I can do that. And I said, listen, I understand. Like there are parts of my job that I can just, like I can put together a worship service and I know what will take an hour, what will take mm -hmm. an hour 15, what like naturally know how to do that. But I am not a teacher and I never have been and I have no idea. And she's like, so she set up a schedule for the whole class and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. So people are doing, they really are doing their best. Yes. But like I told my people, if you have a need, like I, it cannot be fulfilled unless you say, speak it out loud. Right. Like, right. and I think that goes for these people in their homes too, for us in our homes. Like you have to, if you need space, you've got to ask for it. Like I was, people. I was writing an article for the local paper here and I said, you know, we are we are struggling to embrace this new, hopefully temporary norm of 
you know, social distancing, sheltering in place, avoiding each other, homeschooling, going to church or computers. And I said, I acknowledge that for some people, like some of these have been old norms, Mm -hmm. right? But never for all of us all at once. Right. (laughs) And this is, this is the thing that in, in, you know, back to the question of want to over it, many of us, I think that's the thing that's really sticking us into the over it category. We've all got to do it all at once. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing when, when we volunteer to do it or circumstances dictate that we do it. Maybe we have a child with special needs who, you know, homeschooling is, is, is the right fit or for those people who do it for religious purposes, bless their hearts, no judgment. Um, you know, those, those folks as well. I homeschool my daughter for, I don't know, since she was 12 um, because we realized uh, middle school was not what we wanted to throw her into. Um, so, you know, we all do it for various reasons. And it takes a special kind of parent and a special mm-hmm. kind of child to make homeschooling work. Mm-hmm. And a special kind of community support. Exactly. Right? So, so there exactly. are alternatives and, where, and, where you get what you need. And we don't have, everybody doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's shocked to realize there's some people that don't have broadband. What? Right. And right. Like, there have been organizers from years who've been saying years, people decades. do not have access to these fundamentals. Exactly. And we all shocked by it now. And, 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 you know, we're all like, oh yeah, just hop on online school. No, there's no just hopping on anything yeah, they for don't have so phones. many people. I will say for my, my daughter who's 12, she's, she's kind of doing great right? Like she hops on, she does her work. She, so, I mean, there really is a big difference between nine and 12 here, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I still have to help my son log on to each session, even though it's just click this link and say yes. And right. Like yeah. it's the, it's the nine-year-olds and the 89-year-olds that still need the, like every prompt, mm-hmm. um, which I'm, uh, we've kind of moved into number two, but like the hardest part about being home for you, what's the best part? if you're an essential worker, discuss how that's going. Um, so the hardest, I mean, I'll genuinely say, excuse me, ugh, this beer. <laughs> the hardest, it's resurrecting all over the place. Um, the hardest part. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> the hardest part for me has been um, genuinely the kids' grief around, specifically our um, younger son, who um, is naturally very extroverted mm-hmm. and is at that age. So my, my, our oldest, our daughter's at an age where all of her friends have phones and they can get on and they connect and they all FaceTime and they do TikToks together and they, you know, just whatever, you know, our son is nine and he doesn't have that. That's the, that's the difference. And he is very physically active and just is, it's just a lot of like, he saw the first time they all logged on and he saw all of his classmates, like his, his eyes just welled up with tears, you know, and all he wanted to do was go to school. Yeah. Um, and so, and he also has ADHD. So there's a other level of like hard there. I'll fully admit, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but that's been, that's been genuinely the hardest part for me. Um, I, and it just, it, it, You know, I said to somebody the other day, and I've been saying this, like, usually during times like this, it's very trite when somebody says, well, at least you have your health, you know, and you're just like, I want to punch you, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like, fuck you. (laughs) Like, 
listen, I had my health before this. That's, right, not, exactly. that's not a new thing. It's <laughs> not like right I was now, sick before and now I'm healthy. I right. was always healthy. So <laughs> give me something else. But right now I'm feeling that very genuinely, like very genuinely. I'm just kind of able to set myself into this place of we have our health and at least we have our health. Um, so I'll, I'll fully admit that, that that's, that's been my hard. What about you guys? What's, what's, so what's been the best part? Because um, I, I hear from parents who say, yeah, being, being home with the kid all the time is rough, but that's also the best part. I'm home with the kid all the time because maybe there was a time where I was doing, you know, long hours, two jobs and never saw my kid. Mm-hmm. So are, are you experiencing any of that or not? Or what, what for you is, is the best part about kids being home all the time? Um, that's, that's a hard one, um, for me only because I, this has actually taken away time from my kids, to be honest. Um, because normally I'm able to create really good boundaries. So another hard for me, right. Is I've created really good boundaries around work and what work looks like. Even if I'm at home working, like, I'm like, no, it's dinner time. Things have been shut off and now we get to do this. And, yes. and part of this is working from home in this new way, in this very different way. And there's, this, is, this has been hard across the board, but there's, this, there's all these blurred lines. You know, now more than ever, and this isn't just me like having bad boundaries. Like no. now more than ever, you need to respond when people need you. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, we haven't we haven't we haven't figured out yet the structure and routine that works best for all this. We are still no, no one's there yet. Yeah. Right, we're only, and we're only a month in. We're only a month in. Even yeah. people like me who just you know live by themselves or work by themselves, I still haven't figured out you know a clean, clear structure or yeah. anything. Like I don't get a day off, right? I don't get right. um, like I was. I was actually supposed to. I was supposed to be on vacation this week, right? It's and. Um, in case you haven't heard, I'm turning 40 on Sunday. Um, no. Which, like, I'm so you... sad about. I'm, I just wish it would go away. Like, not because I'm scared of 40. Like, I just, this, like, I know, Derek hasn't said it. But I, like, well, the pressure to make that feel good for me is so high for him. And it, and I just. over next year. I know, right? And yeah. I'm just like, I just wish, can we just pretend like it's just not happening, yeah. you know? Um, and yet at the same time, I would love for it to be spectacular, but I just can't even fathom how that's possible, right? Mm-hmm. So I was supposed to be on, and I, you know, honestly, I'd love a vacation right now, even if it's just at home. But, you know, I started, I sat down with my spiritual director and I was like, let's practically talk through what that would look like. And we couldn't do it, right? Mm-hmm. We Like right now, we couldn't figure out so I was like, well, on one hand, I want to say it's really good boundaries for me to be like, I'm taking the week off. On the other hand, what am I saying to people right now? Mm. I'm sorry, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, but I'm out. Right. Like, no, I, I just can't. I can't do that. Mm. You know, I, like I personally can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, there is not judgment if you need to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, right. Um, I will I may need three weeks off in a row right when we find some sort of like calm in this whether it's whether it's in the midst of it and there's at least routine established or something but yeah we're a month in and I haven't found that yet it's funny you mentioned that because so I was talking with a congregant today 
and she called me uh, an essential worker. Yeah. And I was like, huh. Like I said, I never would have put myself in that category. I think essential workers as the people who are in harm's way, the nurses, the doctors, the, you know, the National Guard folk out setting up things, the, you know, even, even our, our, our delivery drivers, our, our store clerks, the pharmacists that are still working, like, like these guys are in harm's way because they are still encountering people who are sick in every moment. We got, we got nurses and doctors dying from this because they're, they're helping folk. Uh, so, so I, I, I was like, mm, thanks, but I don't know. I want, I'm not nearly in that category and, yeah, and, uh, and I'm not going to put myself there. And, and so she, she was very good to remind me that, um, you know, the physical health need is not the only need that people are so much struggling with now people are struggling emotionally and spiritually and I have made, and you've made Shannon, we've all made ourselves as clergy accessible mm -hmm. to people. And, and we've had to talk with more people than we have during the current week and prepare more for people than we are current week. And most importantly, get, get over, get through, uh, come to terms with our own stuff around this, maybe right. even quicker, right. you know, and do more intensive processing around it so that we can be some sort of, you know, hope, inspiration for other people. So when she phrased it that way, I, I could almost embrace, okay, I can see how a role like a clergy person, a pastor, a priest, is definitely a heightened sense of importance. I'm still struggling with, with, embracing that label as an yeah, essential Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to depend based on what what issues your congregation is facing. So like if, if you are uh, a minister who has already had congregants going through COVID, either going into a hospital or having relatives die, or having relatives die and not being able to connect with them, or having people go missing, and you don't know whether it's from COVID, but you know, eventually you'll hear about them being in part of a mass grave somewhere. Like those are very clear times when what we call at Auburn spiritual frontline workers are needed and face all of the existential angst that you would if you were a private in an army. Like right. there's a certain level of- I like that, spiritual frontline worker. Yeah, I like that. that's how we're calling it because that's, that's the kind of feedback that we're getting from the ministers that are in our networks. Um, and many of them have been holding that for the last several weeks, even before all of the cascade of concerns started happening across the states. Um, I think also of people who are chaplains. So they may yeah. not have a congregation, but they are chaplains, whether in hospice or hospital or in even scenarios like an assisted living facility, like people who are, are caring for either patients or medics or ministers, mm -hmm. people who are providing... Um, paramedical support like healers and doulas and others um people who are not clergy at all by any measure but feel their call is to pastor the pastors so people who are just checking in with ministers to see how they're doing given all of the um technological adjustments y'all have made to convert church into a different format and a different mm -hmm. arrangement and to maintain community building even through this massive community disruption like i think acknowledging that all of that includes adjustments and reimagining your vocation and thinking about if I can't be physically present with somebody, how can I still express my call with them? 
but you're having to do that work to reimagine your own role. So you're saying it's a good day to ask for a raise. Yeah. There we go. Well, it depends it, on how, it, how good your community. online donation is. That's what I'm saying. So all of these things kind of play together. They all do. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to say, um, so we have been lucky. We've had um, the the couple of COVID people in our congregation that we've known about have been quite young, you know, twenties, um, maybe even early thirties. I think the oldest has been um, a couple years older than me, so early forties, and it, it's knocked them out. You know, it's really been hard, but they've it's not been the the most vulnerable that we've all been worried about. Um, what has been hard though is um you know talking so here's a parenting pastoring moment um i i had a 97 year old non-covid related death right and i'm on the phone with um her family talking through here are your options right now or here's you know what you can do later and my son misses his once a week check in with his class that he so desperately needs because I'm on the phone and honestly, I just don't know what time it is. You know, I forgot. Um, and so that's that, like, I feel terrible on both. I can't meet anybody's needs, you know, at, <laughs> in that day and, and whatever. But, um, you know, mostly, and I, I said this to our leadership board, um, cause you know, some, some people, everybody deals with crisis differently. And some people want to like do stuff, do lots and yes. lots of stuff. Like yes, let's right take now. this time and do all of these things that we've yes. been wanting to do. And, mm -hmm. you know, and half of them are going, yeah, let's do stuff because I'm bored. And the other half are going, oh my God, I'm so exhausted. There's like, I have no energy for anything, Precisely. right? And so trying to manage that for them. And I said, listen, our job right now is to be steady mm -hmm. and to comfort and whatever that looks like for you. I said, if you need to do stuff, I'm going to give you a couple of books and a couple of resources, but I, I don't have the energy for that. And, and, you know, half the kind of the room I say, right. Half the room, half the zoom room um, <laughs> was like, yeah, we don't have the energy for that. We are spent on all these levels. So trying, I mean, so even giving somebody to say, here's a book to read, is comfort and steadiness too, right? So trying to balance all of that um, has just been, but I, Ogan, I'm with you. I'm, I don't consider myself an essential worker as, as if I was a grocery store clerk or right. a nurse or a doctor, right? Or even a chaplain in a hospital because right. my chaplain yeah. friends are working their mm -hmm. asses off. Yep. Um, what I do consider myself is that, um, my the the quote unquote services I provide as pastor, which I don't like that term, but there it is, um, are absolutely needed, and I will continue to do my job in whatever way that I can, to the best of my ability. I think that what I'm doing right now with our church is the best I can do. I think it's mm -hmm. enough, um, and one of the best things that's come out of it is that we are getting to connect with each other multiple times a week. Mm -hmm. um, in a way that we weren't necessarily before, you know, we were yeah. kind of a Sunday church, like you came to church on Sunday and then you kind of forgot about, you know, the rest of the week, you couldn't get people to do stuff on the weekend or during the week. Right. And we're connecting three times a week now in different ways. We're not over-functioning. We're just connecting in different ways, but because everybody's home, they're going, 
oh, like I get to connect with you on Tuesday night. I get to see you on Thursday morning and I get to see everybody on Sunday. And so that's part of a joy of this for me is they're, they're starting to go, oh, maybe we don't have to be a Sunday church only, right. you know, right. maybe we can be more than that. Mm. So, so do you, do you have a comparison to this pandemic or shutdown or any other experience of life? Um, the closest I get to is a time when I um, developed a chronic like autoimmune condition and had to withdraw from college during mm. my senior, like a couple weeks into my senior year and had to be either in hospital or at home for on and off for like four months. I wasn't able to do the, I, I was an over-functioner before and I wasn't <laughs> able to like do student government and classes and basketball and student paper and choir and all the things and church. All the things, right. Like, I, yeah, I was, I was pretty happy doing all the things and I couldn't do any of them. And I could barely like accommodate visitors. So that's like the, the closest analogy I have for this time when the things that I would usually get a lot of joy from, like the theater, not just watching the film on my TV, but going out and experiencing something at scale or, um, doing musical concerts or um, just walking around without people wondering whether I'm walking around and carrying a virus. Like, <laughs> right. um, and it, it goes back to what you were saying about taking long walks and people being at the beach. Like I wonder about people whose spiritual practices included walking around in, in parks and like na national parks um, or hiking or, or things like that. Um, how are they doing and how are they adjusting? Um, but yeah, like the, the closest experience I have is that time when so many, so many of the things that I thought sustained me were stripped away or like my access to them was stripped away and, and my capacity to deal with them was stripped away. <laughs> so sorry. No, no, no. What, what's the dog's name? Cosmo. Cosmo totally agrees. He's yeah. totally with you. That, He's like, amen, just, sister. His amen, yes. <laughs> no, Cosmo was um, like, a, speaking of hiking and being outside. Uh, <laughs> I just took him out. Like, I hey, took him out we got on the call. We haven't been out in a while. <laughs> reminder, just a reminder. Yeah, he's very unsubtle, but that's a benefit from being here. So I didn't really uh, chime into the previous question, but sure, yes, please. The, one of the benefits of being here is having his rhythms kind of force me mm -hmm. to get up out of my uh, work mode, which could easily be 10 hour days. And in some cases has been, in many cases has been, it's been pretty terrible. Um, and, and my recognizing that if I were in the office, I would be walking from room to room. I would be eating my lunch in the kitchen. I wouldn't be eating my lunch at my desk. I would have five minutes transition between meetings if I had consecutive meetings. And here, if I'm on the Zoom call, I can click this one, I can click onto another one, I can click onto another one, and that's mm -hmm. it, that's the day done. Um, but being able to be more intentional about what is deeply unstructured time when some people's expectations of how that time should be filled hasn't shifted at all. Right. So you were talking about the people who respond to crisis by doing, 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 and many of them are responding to this moment by thinking, oh, we should be on this rapid response thing, we should be 
organizing a socially distant compliant protest. We should be writing all the letters to all the people or doing a massive national mass campaign. Or like, there are so many ways to engage, which are legitimate in their place, but I think a sense of proportion and a recognition that all of that organizing still has to happen while people are at home, caretaking elders or young folks, or taking care of themselves, uh, dealing with anxiety and crisis, yeah. job uncertainty, even ministers who might have congregations they're in charge of, if you're giving dips for two months in a row, maybe you don't have a congregation. I don't know. Mm -hmm. like, people are much more vulnerable than many of us have led on for a long time because the national narrative is you tell people that you're doing well because that's yep. how you get more work or whatever, yep. you know? So I think I'm feeling a lot of, a lot of those questions yeah. um, and navigating them one day at a time. Yeah, well, I, oh, go ahead. Ahead. I was going to say, as a as an introvert who did his best to avoid people, generally, it's it's not not much has changed. <laughs> See, I'm an extroverted misanthrope, so like it's you know, <laughs> it's kicked it up a notch, maybe. Um, no, I think it, in. Uh, I, so I just I, I just asked for my other beer. I, I just that. had my reorder. I, I, <laughs> That was very smooth. <laughs> very smooth. Very smooth. That was very, very smooth. smooth. He, he came in slowly and I was like, <laughs> later. <laughs> uh, How you uh, doing? <laughs> I, I think similarly to Keisha, yeah. Uh, you know, there have been periods in my life where I've, I've been ill and, and had to basically be quarantined or mm -hmm. out of commission for, mm -hmm. you know, an extended period of time. Um, but nothing this length um, um, as so, well. So I didn't think about this until um, kind of the question came up. Um, actually, it was while we were talking about our previous question. I have to say the closest I've come to feeling the way that I do now, which is in an opposite spectrum, but um, is, is after um, our first child was born, um, then... Um, <laughs> Sorry. More beer, yay. I got my second beer. It's an RAR Groove City Hefeweizen. So there you go. There we go. Um, you said not, words. I don't know what they mean. But it's that's not. okay. <laughs> I'm not quite done with my first one. But um, so after Maggie was born, I had eight weeks of maternity leave from the church. And um, during that time was a time for me of reprioritizing, right? Like, kind of, I was a super over functioner um, in my work. And what does it mean to have something that, you know, I'm worrying about mm. and caring about and whatever more so than these people. Um, it was also a time where like, I couldn't think for more than like five minutes at a time. And I couldn't remember where I put anything or what was happening. I had really bad insomnia and was sleep deprived. Like it was both, you know, kind of thing, um, which I'm, I'm experiencing now. Like I'm tired all the time. I'm physically tired. I'm emotionally tired. Um, and and just worrying about what feels like the whole world you know and and just concentrated so much worry on my family mm. also at the same time um so i have to like i have to actually compare it to that 
without the joy <laughs> of that experience, you know? Um, it's, it's yeah. When, as you, as you mentioned that I'm, I'm now thinking about those like almost two years, I was stay at home dad as well. Shortly yeah. after uh, joy was born, uh, you know, not nothing to compare. I didn't carry the child or give birth to the child, but, uh, but that you, physical exhaustion ex- exactly. of not sleeping, um, yeah, I mean, and, and what we call, you know, parent brain or mommy brain, yeah, right? Like, right. yeah, because you've got so much in your head that you can't function I, normally. You I can't. had, I had a photographic memory mm-hmm. before my kid was born. And like Jennifer had, uh, Jennifer had remnants of a sleep disorder, mm-hmm. you know, that, and, and for her, it manifested as if I wake up, it's going to take me forever to get back to sleep. Yeah, I and, had that and, too. And it was it was very clear that if a parent was going to stay home, uh, it was going to be me if our ch- if our child was going to survive. So, uh, so that's real though. <laughs> like oh, I couldn't that's, do it. that is one hundred percent real. Yes, one hundred percent real. I remember this time where she, uh, so so Jennifer had uh, she had medical uh, parent parent leave. She had uh, for for the few months or maybe two months right after joy was born Mm -hmm. and i was working full-time i remember one day she called me and she said you need to come home now Mm -hmm. or you will not have a living child when you get home she Mm -hmm. goes i am not kidding you need to come home now Mm -hmm. and i'm you know me in my stupid father stupid male like (laughs) thing i was like come on it can't she goes you need to so yeah. i go home i right? have made I, that phone call <laughs> i go home i get to the house she's standing at the door with joy bullet in her hands mm-hmm. and all but throws the kid at me and then i don't see her for the next seven hours yeah okay and that's not a complaint that's just what happened yeah. you, you know these these things happen so i'm you're right i'm home so she has a sleep disorder so when joy would wake up in the middle of the night i'm the one getting her literally popping her Jennifer's breast and she's feeding her in the middle of the night and not waking up. So I'm the one with the sleep deprived brain. There goes photographic memory. It has not, after a few, you know, extended weeks of that brain fried, it's never been the same. Yeah. Derek and I said this morning, actually, we were talking about how like that never, you never actually recover from that amount of sleep deprivation. Like, you You I mean, you know, I've never in, you know, our youngest is, um, or so my biological youngest is um, nine, and I've never recovered <laughs> from the sleep deprivation of his being a newborn. And but and then and then some of you choose to have another kid after that. I don't understand <laughs> that. Well, and I will after say, the one, like, I was like, no. Obviously, we're I don't have the hormone surges, <laughs> and obviously, you know, right. But yeah. that's in terms of a period of like. Um, I really didn't go anywhere for that amount of time. Because mm-hmm. when I did, God, I, I, if I would go to the store with this tiny baby in the stroller, first off, talk about like being afraid of everybody's germs. Yeah. Right. Also, like people are terrible about babies and I totally get it. They're adorable and beautiful mm-hmm. and fantastic. But like, please don't run up to my cart and touch my kid. Like, yeah, no. please don't do that. Right. No. So like that kind of that germaphobe feeling, that feeling of being afraid in public mm-hmm. um, and basically being sequestered in my house for eight weeks while I did all those things and trying to, you know, all. So that's the close, honestly, like that's the closest kind of experience I have of this long term, you know, kind of um it wasn't a quarantine, obviously, like people came over and stuff, but again, that, that same feeling, but 
but I also have to say nothing compares to this, right? No, no, nothing um, at all. And even, even my, I remember my state of mind during that period, I was much more even, much more open-handed, much more calm. Didn't know where, whether I was going to survive it, but I didn't. But other, other people weren't like, not everybody around you yeah, was experiencing precisely. the exact same Preci- thing, right? Precisely. And, and also I think I'm just at a different life stage. So yeah. I spent the next 20 years trying to figure out how do I want to set up the life that I do have? in the Mary Oliver phrase, the one and precious life that I have. How do I Mm -hmm. want to set that up so it is nourishing in all all of its facets, that I'm doing work that I enjoy that is nourishing and and fulfilling and serves other people, Um, that I have relationships with family and non-family people that is also rewarding and helps me grow. And what structure do I need? How many people do I need to be around? Like all of those things. I did the work to set that up. Right. And this pandemic does not care that I did the work. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm rebuilding again from yep. scratch. Yeah. It's just, it's wild. Yeah. It's absolutely wild. So, so Mitch Album says, in the biblical tale, after growing impatient, after a mere seven weeks in the wilderness, longer than our current shutdown, the Israelites began their golden calf worship. Turned out it was one day before Moses came down from the mountain, a single day. And that act of unfaithful impatience, they suffered 40 years in the wilderness. If we don't know what wilderness would await our impatience, what, um, sorry, we don't know what wilderness would await our impatience, but we're going to risk it over lawn cutting, party politics. Not going to. But we're not going to. Thank you. So by the way, I have this. So normally I can't read it when it's full screen. I have it like on the side here. I'm trying a new thing. And yeah, it's that's, like, that's well, whatever. That's second bear reading right there. It's, yeah. just call okay. It that, it's also like <laughs> this big. Okay. We don't know what wilderness. Oh. You want me to jump in? I got it. I got you. You got it. <laughs> I haven't even started the second beer. <laughs> like, it's still sitting here. Ugh. We don't know what wilderness would await our impatience but we're not going to risk it over lawn cutting party politics or defiantly breathing on each other while toting our guns. How do you find or cultivate patience in an unknown wilderness? Are the various state protests about more than lawn cutting or party politics? I wonder if he wrote this question before the beaches were open in Florida, because there are people risking it over party politics. There are people risking it over lawn cutting they i mean people are <laughs> there have been people risking it over whether to have service in their church like you know all yeah. the way along yeah but my question is around the lawn cutting thing are lawn cutting is cut is yes it's, we're allowed to like our lawn. we're not so touching we, people so no i think i think in suburbia where there's a social contract that you mow your lawn right, right. you know and but like i think the question behind that is about is about okay so you go to cut your lawn you got to get gas for the lawn more if you got to gas upgrade the lawn okay. more you got to go get supplies lawn cutting is never just pulling the lawn more out okay and but going which is why after i left suburbia i was like i ain't never having a lawn again this <laughs> this is crazy but this is the lawn cutting thing does bother me here because I'm going outdoors is fine, right? Like, sure. Now you still don't exercise. Like, exercise is good. You still don't hug people in the street. You know, we actually had somebody who, somebody in our neighborhood who uh, lost their job, you know, was like put out to our neighborhood, hey, if you need 
outside gutters clean, blah, blah, blah. So he came over on Saturday and cleaned our gutters, Mm -hmm. you know, um, outside things are fine here. I I mean, but I understand what they're trying to say. And and by the way, is the, when was this quote written? Is the math on this right? Because when he said seven weeks longer than our shutdown, I was like, wait, has it not been seven weeks yet? It has not. not. Oh, are you serious? Oh my God. No, it hasn't. It was was mid-March. Yeah. So March, we made the call March 12th. So Seattle was a week before oh, that, yeah. right? right. What, what, but what is it? it April 20th? Wow. Yes. Yeah. It's 420. It's week, week five, week um, six. Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah. we're, I mean, we're close. So, okay. So I, I Maybe think, I shouldn't be the one to answer this question. My, all my sense of time is gone. No, but I, I, I think I do. <sighs> I appreciate the perspective on this. Like I, I'm curious about how long it took this organized opposition to mount these simultaneous city protests in for their own purposes, dragging people out of quarantine to mix and mingle in town squares across, well, not even across the country because they're not in the South, which Mm -mm. is fascinating to me. Like I looked at the map this week and it's all across the parts of the Northeast and then the Midwest and then a little bit in the Northwest, but not in the South. Listen, it's, no no offense to people in the Midwest. Some of my closest and best friends live there. But after living in the Midwest, well. after living in the Midwest, I am not surprised. No. That's all I that's all I gotta say. I, I mean, can trust you to forge ahead with the nonsense over there. <laughs> I really that. can. Mid- Midwest people are their own brand are their own brand of American. I kid you not. <laughs> I mean, there's but there's there's also there's some realities that this started on the coast because of international travel. Yes. Right. There's some reality of that. And that that what we call middle America, whatever that, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It it took a lot longer to get there. Get there and they're not mm-hmm. like seeing the numbers we are and you know, whatever. Um and you I'm, will I'm now. and and you will now. And you know, when this Dar- and, Darwin D- Darwinian rules apply, just as color. Well, and I mean that's that's part of this is on one hand, I think we want to sit there and say, Well, good, let him. And like, mm-hmm. go let them all get sick and blah, blah, blah. But no. like, they're making other people sick. Like, you yes. know what? Listen, they'll take out a few healthy of us with them. That's the sacrifice we should make for no. the greater good. That's mm-hmm. right. I do not consign. No, no, no. no. I'm kidding. I mean, I'm that's kidding. like, you know, Dr. Oz came out, which Dr. Oz, uh, like, don't even get me started, right? But he comes uh, out this week <laughs> and he's like, well, schools should reopen because it's, in terms of across the population, this is only killing two to 3% of people. And I'm going, Oh, good. So, which two or three percent would you like yeah. to sacrifice knowingly? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's start. Let's start with your two. Let's start with your like sister, your wife, your. Yeah. Or, or you go teach in the schools for right. a few days, and let's let's see what happens. But, but the other the, the other ahead, interesting thing about that the quote is that it reminds us of the stories of the Israelites, and and it reminds me of the plagues. So yeah. the last plague around the the killing of the firstborn of the Egyptians kind of reminds me of this whole mentality of whose life is worth saving like mm-hmm. whose life is worth putting measures in place and being a little bit uncomfortable so that they can still live and the people willing to make the sacrifice it just it reminds me of that story because there were people who were not willing to let the israelites go even though it would cost them the lives of their own relatives right and so like there's a certain odd calculus to me for a group that seems to be really motivated by community and tribe and kinship in a very tightly defined way to still be willing to risk their own kids 
Yeah. Well, yeah. It doesn't quite compute to me, although I know there are other values in play. Right. But yeah, it just doesn't. It reminds me of that plague, that last plague. I mean, but, I mean, I do the impulse to say and there was, you know, a Facebook thing going around that made me laugh that was like, I don't know who needs to go to Nineveh, but would you just go already? Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I know. Right. And it's an inside joke. <laughs> exactly. You know your scripture. <laughs> um, you know, but it, it, there's part of me that feels, you know, the impulse to um, talk about a God where that punishes over some sort of, you know, decision sin or some sort of social, you know, that punishes in this way or something. Yeah. I mean, that that is not what we're talking about. I mean, even the Israelites and their golden calf was forgiven. And yes, they were punished with 40 years in the wilderness, but I just, I just come well, and, and you, We say Levites. they were forgiven. Let's be clear. It was Moses who had to talk God back from the edge because God was ready to smite them all away. But I'm saying the Levites still went in. Right. Well, there was a little slaying involved in the story. Th that's true. That's just a true. A little bit of slaying. Just a little bit of slaying, you know. But again, <laughs> sacrificial few so the oh, masses I could survive. I Thank you. It. I hate it. We come full circle. No. <laughs> so, so what this story brings up for me is two things. One, um, clearly they were dealing with abandonment issues. So, you know, go work on your therapy. Go get, even if you think you're good, go to therapy, heal, heal your issues. And so that when abandonment happens, because it will happen for every one of us, because that's life, you don't go off the deep end. So do your therapy work now. Now, the other thing is also what this story brings up for me is you know, our innate desire to connect with something bigger than who we are. Because, you know, basically Moses left, therefore God left. So mm -hmm. let's find something else to to connect with. So what this story also speaks to me is we, we this innate need to connect with something, again, bigger than ourselves, whether it's God or, you know, universal understanding, or even the idea that you know, here we are all together in this, working together, struggling together, suffering together to find some sort of um, common ground there. And then when, for me, when I see people like in the face of that endangering others, it's, it's hard to watch. And I saw some on the street interviews with some of these people protesting, mm. you know, the, the shutdown and stuff. And Again, no surprise, there's a, there is a total, like, uh, uh, um, not even denial, but just absence of acknowledgement of fact. It's all yeah. about buying into conspiracy and rumor and misinformation. And that's what's endangering us all. So I think the point, I mean, I think the point of the reference is that to them, in, in this moment, the civil liberty, right, of is, is the golden calf or the party politics is the golden calf. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's part of the reference. The other part of this is, which I, I do think is the more natural understanding, human understanding, is, is having something tangible to look at, to touch, to worship, right? Yes. So Moses and the Israelites believed in this invisible God, right? And then, but if we can make this thing, if we can all donate a bunch of gold and make this thing and bow down and worship it, 
Like we can touch it, we can feel it. And that, I think for me, that's part of the scariness of walking this back. If, as people talk about reopen, like part of what gives me panic attacks is there's nothing until there's a vaccine, which is tangible, you know, something to grab onto and say, this is the thing. It's just this invisible, invisible enemy, invisible enemy. Yeah. And that's scary. So we want to make a tangible something. So, um, so you're, so you're pro golden calf. I'm confused with your metaphor right now. No, I'm <laughs> saying I understand that you human instinct to have to something one. tangible, to create yes. a golden calf. Yeah, we will gotcha. do. We will do that at every opportunity. And in some ways I kind of feel the, the red model of the virus functions in some way as a way to make this invisible, intangible threat more material to people. So I don't know if all that we had said was novel coronavirus, COVID-19, da 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 but you never saw that little red ball with the spores on it. Right. Um, and that's been everywhere. It's been on news, it's been in graphics, it's been in newspapers and-, and uh, There's patterns to videos. crochet it? Yeah, like all the- all <laughs> Are you serious? Of, yes, yes, because that, that functions God. like another Bible story, like the time when there was mm. a, a plague of boils in, in Philistia and they made little golden models of the boils. That's and that, right. That, that right. made the gods like right, happy. Right, right. Yeah. And the plague stopped. Like I, I kind of feel like it functions in some way, kind of like that, like a, a totem mm -hmm. or a talisman in some way um, to help make this intangible more immediate and more accessible to us to at least give us a sense that we can, we can do things that actually matter because this thing is a real thing. And right. until we had modeled it that way, I don't think it sunk in. And it still isn't sinking in for some people because they need more of the golden calf. They need, need, they need more things that help them concretize this intangible. But I think that's just very much a part of human psychology. Well, it's for a lot of people, and this is part of the American experience, for a lot of us, we won't believe it until it touches us directly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can guarantee you that all those people who are there protesting the shutdown with the social distancing have not lost someone to, to this virus or well, know someone who, who, who has it. And, and uh, you know, for me, that's a total lack of empathy. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, again, part, part and parcel of, for many of us, the American experience. It's about me and not we. It's part of what makes, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of, um, frontline workers, nurses, doctors, um, hospital workers who say, so you go out of your house and clap at 7 p.m. Saturday night or whatever, and, and we think that's great, but then you go to the grocery store and you're, you know, touching everything and you're not following these, like, I, clap for us if you want, but if you want to do something for us, you will do Follow these the things, you know, Absolutely. like. Bill Maher, so, did a, Bill Maher did a great bit about Okay, I the time of, of going to the grocery store and we touching know. all the avocados to get the right one, he goes, that's over. Yeah. <laughs> Just look at it, pick it, go home. Mm -hmm. Stop touching them all. Yeah. Well, but that's, I mean, I think that's part of the whole, that's part of the whole thing is, you know, this isn't actually, this, this isn't something that I feel out of control. I mean, there's obviously so much out of control, but if you're feeling that way and you're responding out of that, then you're not doing the things right? That are in your control. Right. When you go out, you wear a mask, you mm -hmm. wash your hands, you use hand sanitizer. Like there are plenty okay. of things that are in my control. 
Right. They're printing things that are in our control, but I think a lot of those things are still an illusion of control because you can do all those things and still get it, or you can do none of those things and not get it. For, but, for me, a lot sure. of this is, is, is about, is about in, a, in a weird way, accepting that this is where we are. Yes, absolutely do the right things for the greater good, but but stop, how do I phrase this? It's not about, about wishing it were, it, uh, to stop wishing it were any different, but, but truly accept that this is, this is our present reality and do the things that will help change this reality. And, um, you know, come full circle to that first question. I am over people who are not accepting as right. this is our reality. Get on board do what needs to happen. And I'm calling myself out because I was, I right the, the week, the Sunday that we stopped meeting for the first time, it was the Tuesday that I sent out a message saying, you know, we're going to have church because we're not given into this fear and panic. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be a force for faith and presence. We're going to have church. And then two days later, a whole lot changed real fast. I mean, and oh, and I, I had the to, same thing. But yeah, like, then I had to say, okay, no, all right. So, so the big picture is us being alive is more important well, than but making that, a point here. But that's the point of we didn't, we didn't obsess about the golden calf, right? We didn't right. say in-person worship and our God so will protect important. us in blah blah blah, right? right? Like right. we we let go of that golden calf or that sacred cow or what you know which is actually where the term comes from, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like we let go of all of that. Um, and, and we're doing the things to the best of our ability, um, you know, that we can do. And listen, I, I think if those are your politics and that's where you are, I, I get it. I, un- I mean, the other side of this is I want to or, be, if, if that's where you are, Darwinian rules apply. That's well, I want to be. It is a terrible thing to say. I mean, I want to be, oh, okay. I, I mean, to I want bear, to be sensitive statement. to the fact also, which I'm not saying that everybody out there protesting is this way, right? But I want to be sensitive to the fact of people who, you know, as hard as it is for all of us to work from home, we are working from home and continuing to get paid to do so. Yes. There are people out there that are willing to work and are unable to do so. Yeah. And I do have, like, I have sympathy for that. You know, the guys that cleaned my gutters that I never came in contact with were like, thank you. Like there are people that just work very physically with their bodies that are sitting at home right now Mm -hmm. saying like, I want to work. I want to be out of my house. Because rent rent is still due. Rent is still due. Groceries need to be paid. By the way, those unemployment that you applied for on April 1st still hasn't kicked in. So, you know, there is a lot of struggle out there. And I do understand that. But the answer is not for them to congregate in the town square. The answer is for them to be able to. It's not even for them. It's for their their legislators, the people Mm -hmm. that they they Mm -hmm. have repeatedly rewarded with power to act yes. on their behalf in a way that's sustainable and that actually provides benefits that allow them to live well and eat well and pay their medical bills. And 100%. that's not what we have. And that's not what we have. Exactly. That's not what we have. So last question on a lighter note. Um, what are you reading or watching right now? Ogan, we tried 
two episodes of Letter Kenny, and Derek and I both wanted to smash our heads against the wall. See, told you it was good. It was terrible. <laughs> oh my um, god. We we did um I'll I'll do two plugs. We um because now's the time, if not now when um we got HBO now and we've been watching Run, which has been yes. only on for two weeks. Love it. It is so good. It's it's What's written by um it's written by the people that did Fleabag, if you liked Fleabag on Netflix. Not the people, the woman. The woman the two women, the two women that created by two women. Um the flea bag and her best friend. Um, it's, it's Phoebe. It's all about Phoebe. Okay, because anyway. it, was orig- it was originally a one-woman show that she wrote, and then she and her friend adapted it for TV. But all right. Anyway, it's fantastic. Anyway, into the it's, it's, the, it's this um, college couple that kind of always said this promise that if they texted each other, run, and the other one texted back, they would run away together. No matter where they were in their mm. life, they would leave everything and run away. And it's... Okay. it's fantastic um which too short. Did, the episodes are yeah. too short and now two episodes in you see them beginning to confront the reality of what they just did but you you care about what i love well, here's what here's what i love i love that there's a show that deals with hey my life looks good and shiny on the outside yeah. and really it's super complicated and kind of falling apart and I'm yes. not happy. And I, and, and I care about these characters and I already want to know so much more. And A plus for the acting and sexual chemistry. Oh my gosh, 100%. Seriously. 100%. A plus, um, A plus. I have committed to reading a little bit each day of reading a novel because that's what I need to actually get out of my own world and decompress. And so I have this long backlog of novels. So I'm, I'm reading um, through our library system, online libraries. Um, I'm reading Where the Crawdads Sing, mm-hmm. um, which I'd it. never read. And I love it. I highly recommend it. And, okay. you know, I, I do this too. I read um, New York Times bestsellers like three years past because they're always available at the yeah. library <laughs> that's that's when you can get them at the library that's when you yeah. can get them at the library so um yeah i'm loving it absolutely loving it about i'm almost done i'm about um you know 90 percent done with the book what about you guys um i'm actually reading the books that are in my house which is for the mm-hmm. first time in my life <laughs> ditto <laughs> um one of the ones I just finished was an old Michael Crichton book called Disclosure. Uh, I remember that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it made me think that if he had been around, he might have been in one of those protests. Mm, <laughs> 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 well, we will never know now. We'll never um, know. <laughs> no. Also in the middle of um, a memoir by Patrice Cullors, uh, it's called When They Call You a Terrorist, I think is the name mm. of the title. And it's a pretty easy read. I've just been on and off on it. Yeah. Um, and then a third one called Sand Talk by uh, an indigenous Australian guy who's he's doing, he's doing philosophy basically, but through the lens of indigenous wisdom. And so like there are pictographs in there that he's analyzing verbally and like explaining what they might mean. And this, I'm only just a couple of chapters into that. So we'll see. The thing that I've been watching um, in the last, say, four days or five days is Billions. So I saw oh God, the, first, I love the first two episodes of yes. season one on a plane about four months ago and realized that it's on 
cable. So I started to record it and I'm back in season one. So I don't know what's happening these days on the show or if it's still even running, but um, yeah, Some of Paul, said, Paul Giamatti's best work, oh, that dude. Paul Giamatti and I can't remember, the, Damien... Damien Lewis. Damien Lewis, that's right. From Homeland. So, so they're playing really dreadful people. Um, one just is a wait, millionaire. just wait. I know, spoilers. but they're dreadful. <laughs> they're dreadful people. So yes, one is a millionaire <laughs> and the other is a, is a DA of some sort. Uh, yeah. Lawyer of some the sort. The district attorney. Yeah. Um, and I, I think... Uh, watching them and watching the way that they interact with the women in their lives and watching the the raw power and the manipulation and the um, the use of extreme money as capital to gain all yeah. the things that they feel they're missing in their lives it's just it's it's just like the news but with more closure than the news. They, they are not redeeming. They're not men with redeeming qualities. Neither of them. They're on opposite sides of the, of the legal spectrum in many yeah, ways and the but financial they're spectrum. Similar. But, but they're, no, they're the same person. <laughs> no, they're not similar. And I, and I, they are I think the same that, person. That's why their characters have a lot of frisson. They have a lot of energy. And it's really yeah. it's interesting to watch them play cat and mouse with each other and both fail in, to do that. You um, just wait. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in. I, I, I see, I'm biting my tongue because I've, I've often been accused, not often, I've been accused a lot of, of saying non-spoiler things that are spoilers, so <laughs> mum's the word, but right. I, love, I love billions. Yeah, so I'm, I'm watching that and then I, I've been watching a few random Marvel movies here and there, so mm. I rewatched Doctor Strange yesterday for the eighth time, I'm sure. That's a great movie. I, it's, it's one of my favorites in this series. Um, so there are things I am proud to admit that I'm watching and things that I'm not proud to admit I'm watching. <laughs> the thing I am not proud to admit I'm watching. There were articles on, about that this week. There you go. Come out. On, on, on Netflix <laughs> is The Circle. I've heard of it. Is it, which, is it the reality show or? It, it is a reality show and it's basically based on, it's, an, it's really an interesting uh, uh, commentary on where we are in society with social media. Uh, quick, quick, quick premises, all these, all these right. folks. And of course, you know, they're young people who don't know any better uh, <laughs> are in rooms. They don't interact with each other at all other than um, a, a, telev a, a television screen with a circle on it, hence the circle. And they have to create these profiles that then folks choose to interact with based solely on the profile. Mm. So some people are actually put in their real profile like picture up and themselves other people are a hundred percent faking it um and the premise is you know based on your popularity you survive and move on to the next rounds or whatever so it's just this fascinating you know snapshot it's horrible tv but it's a fascinating snapshot on the importance we've placed on on the veneer of things right. you know you, you mentioned shannon earlier about you know, uh, some of us are coming to terms with the fact that we've always portrayed, hey, how pretty my mm -hmm. life looks when it's maybe a shit show, right. you know, sort of deal. So so it's kind of a commentary on that. Um, and it's it's not a thing I'm proud I'm watching because I'm not a big, I, I, I usually just, you know, uh, say horrible things about reality TV, but, you know. You I was going to say, you then... You watched that one reality TV show that right. you liked, and now love you're like, open that. I know. Love, oh. Yeah, I'm, they're sucking me in slowly, man. <laughs> sucking me in slowly. Pretty soon you're going to be watching like Big Brother. And it's the I, algorithm. Clear your cash. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> what, I am, what I am proud to admit I'm watching is uh, Black AF, 
Black, mm. uh, the new uh, Is that good? Netflix series by Kenny Barris. <laughs> I've, I've read the critiques. I'm like, I'm not going to spend my time on no, it. No, 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 no. It's, it's good. I, I mean, as much as any of these like fake documentary type mm-hmm. shows are about a person and their life, it's mm-hmm. intentionally a little bit over the top because mm-hmm. it has is to it, be. So is it like Dear Black People? Um, no, no, think, think like Modern Black-ish. Family. Yeah, think oh, Modern okay. Family meets Blackish. Gotcha. Sorta, okay. Sorta okay. Deal. I gotcha. Um, and it's because we do like Dear Black People. Like after Kenny Barris's life, but yeah, you should watch it. I think I think you guys will get a kick out of it. Of course, you know, my recommendations ain't worth nothing because you didn't like Letterkenny. But <laughs> but I think <laughs> that's more of a I think that's by more the of a way testament I totally to have my, a cousin that that's guy, but still like oh I think that's more a testament to my uh, eternal teenage brain because I told my daughter and her friends about it and they love it too. So <laughs> that's probably more about me. Like I was like we else. we did one, and I was like, okay, Ooh. we just got to like the whatever, so I'm willing to watch one more. No, but like, yeah, I'll cut out too early. Seriously, no. Stick with it a little bit more, because because there there are some throwbacks that are worth it. Anyway, I genuinely right. barely made it through two episodes without like throwing stuff at my TV. So that's what like I, me in the good place. Oh no, I love the good place. I did too. It got Three it got. So uh, the other thing I just wrapped up um, on Hulu is a show called Devs, or um, and so this is a show about basically a guy okay, one show and one book going you're on three shows now <laughs> are you watching you other people anything? other people yeah, talked I, about I multiple just, books oh, okay 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 fine Come on. this is the last one this is the last one because this one this one is worth watching honestly because it raises questions about uh, uh grief and loss about um how we understand reality alternate timelines uh quantum artificial intelligence i mean it covers it all like mm-hmm. is life really happening or are we some sort of like matrix like simulation like it covers the gamut of things but this this there's this, a glitch in the matrix that's actually what's happening right now <laughs> seriously seriously yeah, the seriously. timeline parted in yeah. this, this guy's struggling this this tech guy is struggling with the the death of his daughter immensely and he can't get over it so he basically creates this supercomputer that that uh, is able to harness so much data and probability that it can you can basically tune into any moment in time mm. uh, and see what's actually happening. It's it kind of I mean yeah that's fictional or is it? Who knows what's happening with quantum computing? But but it really raises a lot of existential questions mm. about about how we relate to time and each other and stuff. And I just got finished a, a series. Um, totally blew my mind um books i'm reading briefly too fiction i'm always reading fiction i read more fiction than non-fiction because i think there's more truth about life in fiction than non-fiction i'm reading a book called learning to drive in which the main character um has a a very close relationship with christian science which is uh, the precursor to unity that i'm in Mm -hmm. so it's it's fascinating to read how that's playing out and uh, do the marco rubio lean over here remember that was i'm reading finally on my shelf for a couple of years now uh becoming wise um uh it's by it's a it's a series of oh shit that is a word <laughs> Take damn, a snapshot. damn artificial <laughs> backdrop anyways it's a becoming wise an inquiry into the mystery and art of living it's a series of um essays by various people compiled by krista tippett who hosts on mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. so it's about you know life spirituality 
um, just being so I'm, I'm, this has been on my shelf for, I don't know, a couple of years, a year or two now, because it's a fairly new release. But I'm I, I, I want to give a quick um, nonfiction recommendation that I've read several times that I might need to reread as we talk about coming back out of this um, called Lost Connections by Johan Hari. And if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. He wrote a book on addiction too. Um, but it's, it's basically how um, it, it's kind of the tagline is like why we're depressed and like what the real causes behind depression are. He's not dismissing the scientific causes, um, but it, he, he wants to dig into the other causes, right? And as it, it's not a time to sit there and go about this crisis, but I think as we talk about moving out of this crisis, um, and talking about a new way of being, it's going to be something that I'm going to rely on heavily in his book. Um, and because part of it is social isolation, you know, and what does it look like to be connected? Um, yeah. That's that's so much of the book. So I really, really recommend that. I've recommended that book to everybody and I, I really haven't regretted it at all. Um, Similarly, I'm reading a, a book called Yearnings. Uh, I think it's um, Daniel Kuna. I think it's the name, I'm messing the name up. Uh, he's a rabbi and, um, you know, what do we yearn for? And I think more now than ever, we're mm -hmm. yearning for a lot. Yeah, so if you <laughs> uh, were curious to, 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 to um, for the people in my congregation that are needing to do stuff right now, I recommended um, Lost Connections and I recommended a book called Slow Church. Mm -hmm. um, because as we, again, as we come out of this, um, the idea of slowing down, of not being so fast-paced and not being so um, production-oriented, right? Yes. What you produce um, will become more and more important. I, I hope, I hope and pray those are the lessons we take away from this. I was going to say, isn't slow church a bit of an oxymoron? Because I mean. I mean... <laughs> But as it so one of, if you have a whole marketing brand system going on and then okay. worship services, maybe it's just 1100 hours with a green screen. And like, maybe it's my church experience because there's nothing fast that ever happens in church. I think that I think the I mean, the point is we are what we produce, right? right? And we're a product, we're giving a product away. Um, and and so as we talk about, I mean, even as I and I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about re-immersion because part of it's going to be so much of it's not going to be dictated by me right mm -hmm. um but mm -hmm. i've thought about what does it look like to have eight people over for dinner you know mm -hmm. and that be church for a while what is so yeah. you do sunday morning worship and you do your weekly dinner or something mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. slow church is all it's out of the slow food movement yeah and they developed it to slow church and sure. That's going to be all part of it. So in case you were curious what I'm giving my people to read, that's what I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm assigning. <laughs> I'm going to look that up. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So thank you, um, Keisha, is our special guest today. Hey, Keisha. And the, what's the dog's name? Cosmo. Keisha and Cosmo. Yeah. Keisha and Cosmo. Watch, watch the, uh, what? sign up, sign up, because I'm going to post a video on Patreon and you can see Cosmo. You can. Hey. Yeah. Um, we'd like to thank the originator of Pup Theology and his promptness the last two weeks of getting I've questions out saying, on Monday morning. Right? Go thank Brian. You, Brian Burkoff and our producer, Derek Weston. Connect and thank spread you, the word on social media. Listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Watch us YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TV. 
sign up at patreon.com slash pt live for more content find create a pub theology in your town there is more information at pubtheology.com slash directory until next time friends drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing